Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Lisa, uh, let, let me let me start uh, with you and, and just remind us again briefly what you're facing and where are you today? It's the you know, it's it's the 24th of October. They said they're going to release them before the end of the month. That's just a few days. Right. Um, first of all, hello, Scott, and hello, Roy. Um, they told me that there would be no hearing, just an in-office paper decision, and that it would occur sometime in October 2020. And as of now, I've not heard anything. So I'm running out of October, so of course it's going to be happening sooner rather than later. There was something that you saw or received, if I understand correctly, that speaks to the risk this individual continues to be? Is that correct? Yeah, he was uh, granted day parole in April, and with the paperwork I received, there's something called a GSIR, which is an indicator of the likelihood of somebody reoffending within a three-year period after being released. Corrections and the parole board um, rated this man who killed my dad as um, with a score of three out of five for reoffending. So they know he's dangerous. And as you said at the beginning, he was on probation for another crime when he killed my dad. So they're fully yeah. aware. Scott, do you want to pick it up here, please? Well, yeah, I'm aware of the, uh, the GSIR. It's this sort of um, statistical tool that is used, uh, and I put the word tool in uh, quotation marks, by Correctional Service of Canada. And in this case, I think it demonstrates that because rather than pointing out, oh, by the way, there's, we've estimated that there's a 60% chance that this guy is going to reoffend if he's released. Instead, they quote the fact that, oh, there's a uh, 40% chance that he won't, as though that's some sort of success for justifying his release. I mean, in my business, that, we, we call that, uh, frankly, a clue. And if this guy does reoffend, that should be a basis I would think, to be considered in a, in a suit for negligence. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And, and Lisa, I can't imagine how you feel. This is your father who was murdered by this individual who's going to be released, says the parole board, and you have no input. There's nothing you can do, say, or, or, or any actions you can take to, to mitigate against this. Right. Uh, the only thing I have been able to do, um, as you know, I missed the day parole hearing, that very vital hearing in April due to yeah. COVID, and um, they prohibited victims of crime from presenting in-person statements at hearings. And then to come to this point in time where it's full parole and to not even have a hearing is just nothing short of torment because there are some people who feel that they need to participate in the system, and I'm one of those people. And it's, I've just been denied except for submitting uh, an impact statement into the file. And that's all I've been able to do. And they do it, Scott, because they can, right? Yeah, that, I mean, that's the point, is that uh, we, it, it, you were involved in it as well, too. Uh, we fought for years to get laws changed to allow victims to have a voice at these kinds of hearings. The legislation and policies were changed of uh, the parole board and of Correctional Service of Canada. Even legislation was changed. And yet, if you, in this case in particular, it's buried within the regulations and the Corrections and Conditional Release Act that they don't actually have to have a hearing. They can just look at pieces of paper um, if the individual was successfully granted uh, a day parole. So, you know, their own internal rules allows them to deny victims the participation and a voice in the decision-making. It overrides what is supposedly the rights of victims enacted in the Canadian Victims' Bill of Rights, and 
as well, and uh, Lisa pointed this out, um, it even denies them on false um, operational grounds the ability to, you know, uh, uh, if not attend in person, but also to make a, uh, you know, a video link submission because they go, oh, no, we can't do it because of COVID-19. Well, that's a flat-out misstatement because things have changed and they do have the capabilities. And if I'm not mistaken, the uh, federal minister, Bill Blair, actually told the House of Commons that things had changed and now that they were going to, victims would be allowed to do this again. Only it turns out, as in Lisa's case, that is not true. No. Yeah, Lisa, when, when we look at the calendar, uh, one week from today is the 31st. So one week by one week from today, according to the parole board, your father's killer is going to be fully paroled. How will you find out? Have they told you? Are they going to phone you, send you an email? What are they going to they do? They will do one of the other, either phone me or send me an email, um, which I think is just um, preposterous, given the magnitude of this decision and the impact that it will have on on my life. Um, it's just, you know, this has been my whole adult life is living with this crime. And this man has been incarcerated for my entire adult life. And to have him fully paroled and to find out through that manner, um, again, it's taking the human element right out of everything. And uh, that's been one of the, the faults of the pro board and corrections all along through this whole process. It's been entirely demoralizing every step of the way. Can't be the only situation of it uh, like this, Scott, across Canada. It has to be repeating itself time and again, particularly during COVID. Yeah, unfortunately, that is true. And as you and I have been discussing over the past year or so, some of this attitude, this uh, institutional arrogance, if you will, I think is creeping back into our system. Yeah. And, um, you know, they view uh, victims not as a voice to be heard, but as an irritant that uh, potentially, uh, you know, might ask them questions uh, that they don't want to be asked. Um, that's not the way we, all of these changes we've talked about over uh, years uh, were enacted. And this kind of activity, in my opinion, undermines things. And let's not forget that this guy was, you know, they go, oh, yeah, there's uh, only a 40% chance by our own analysis that he's going to reoffend. This guy isn't in prison for shoplifting, okay? And so, and uh, Lisa, correct me if I'm wrong, but... I take it they haven't actually told you he's going to be granted parole, just that they're going to have this paper hearing for that. That's right. I, okay. He may be denied full parole, but um, the way I'm looking at it, if, if six months ago he was granted Correct. day parole and they know that he has, a, to me, a, a you know, moderate to high risk to reoffend, mm-hmm. they're not going to all of a sudden come to some sort of um, common sense decision. Okay. In the last okay. I think you're right. Lisa, Scott, thank you so much. Lisa, we're going to stay in touch with you, obviously, as, as this goes forward, and uh, this is a traumatic time in, that you're facing. And Minister Blair should be held to account. Yeah. Asked, he should be asked yeah. whether or not he approves of this process that's denying victims their intended voice. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.